Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Basser Hour. The Basser Hour is an in-depth look at things affecting today's veteran. The Basser Hour is sponsored by www.hadit.com. If you need help with the VA, log on to hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Jay Basser. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's another episode of the Basser Hour. This is Jay Basser, your host. My co-host today is Mr. Gerald Cook of the great state of Missouri. And we have another treat. We're continuing the series of shows based on the uh, one and only Dr. Craig Bash. Dr. Bash publishes uh, a series of uh, items on his website called Bash Bulletin. And it's a very informative website. And uh, we decided to bring Dr. Bash on for several shows in order to discuss these and uh, to give people a better understanding of how the VA system works. So today we're going to take a crack at the claims process and the C&P exams. So let's go ahead and we can get started. How are you doing today, Dr. Bash? I'm good, I'm good. I got about, I think I have about 30 Bash bulletins, you know, maybe a few more. Mm-hmm. And uh, my website, people always ask me how to get a hold of me. You know, at the end, sometimes you forget. So you just go Google Dr. Craig Bash or... Um, drbash at doctor.com is the way to get a hold of me. My website and my email. But, um, yeah, we have to have all that new claims process stuff, you know, the Rapid Appeals Management Program and and the uh, and the updates on the Act and on the VA is going to try and process claims faster and more efficiently. But, um, I just got one of the ones back for one of the RAMP programs and it was a, it's about a six-page six-page deal, but it only has, you know, a very limited amount of information. I was kind of thinking when they do these cases, we might start seeing something like a SOC where they go into some detail because most of these uh, decisions don't have much detail. You guys probably see that too, right? Yeah, we've seen yeah. several cases now with the new system. Yeah. I know Gerald, he got a decision the other day, and it's hard to read. It's hard to understand, wouldn't it, Gerald? Yes, it was. You said you're out of luck. <laughs> try, try again. <laughs> you, go, you go to your mailbox and get a picture and see a white flag in your mailbox waving. That's been going a long time. Right, Joe, that's you right, Gerald? That's that same claim, right? Let's go back years. Yeah, about 17 years. And they gave you a couple sentence decision or something like that? Well, they did. They awarded me uh, 60% of my ear. I don't know where the rest of my body was, but my ear was there. Nothing uh, on your lungs yet? No, no lung decision? No, I, that's what I needed. All my lungs are about gone. Uh, yeah. Uh, they just... You know, they used uh, uh, chemical exposure on my ears is what they avoided my claim for. But the rest of it is all still in the appeal stage. So it's in the Appeals Management Center in, in D.C. Yeah. So they so, got some very experienced... I've got one of my friends in there. they got some very experienced people in the Appeals Management Center. But... um. 
people see what they oh, do yeah. to Chase. Oh. Yes, they do. Um, I don't know. You know, they usually sit on it a year or two, and then they send it back. Mm-hmm. Then the judge, I think mine been in there and out four or five times. And mm-hmm. they never do nothing to it. They just send it back the way it was. Well, this new this new process is supposed to identify the favorable findings. Did they list the favorable findings in yours, Gerald? Did you ever? Yes, they did admit uh, uh, exposure to mustard agent, to radiation, and to herbicides in my last award I got. And the one yeah. before it was... Uh, uh, BX, BX modified, uh, uh, chemicals associated with uh, Project 112, Chad. And I wrote, uh, letter, I wrote a letter that talked about how your lung disease was linked, linked the nexus the to, to those toxins, I think, probably. Yes, yes, you did. Wrote a good letter, a good IMO. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you tore them up pretty good. On no. their CMP examinations, they were, you know, they were uh, horrible CMP examinations, and you straightened them out real good. So that's they went through those. Yeah, that's what I try and do my letters because the reader has no way to tell well, what expert is uh, more expert in the topic. So I try and. Kind of referee and say, I agree with this doctor for this reason and disagree with that guy for that reason and try and referee it a little bit and help read it. Well, I always get a, a nurse practitioner or a, uh, the highest one I got was a physician's assistant. Now, who, whoever they are, I mean, that's what they call themselves. Uh, There's some pretty strong, strong, pretty strong VA um, decisions that talk about these complicated cases that they have to have doctors decide them. So I know they're using a lot of PAs and a lot of nurses, but I think at the higher level, if this stuff ever goes up to the Court of Appeals, they're going to set up some kind of a precedent decision because the VA can't really use these, you know, lower trained people for these complicated cases. Like your case goes back. You know, like I said, 17 years and complex. You know, it's hard for me to figure it out sometimes. Well, yes, it is complex. But if you was in a testing project, there's a, you would assume there's a possibility that you could be affected uh, negatively, you know, negatively. Uh, but... Uh, they finally owned up to all the agents, that's and good. that I was exposed to them. What's well, a good first step? Well, you know, I shake like a leaf. I was exposed to VX. I mean, a VX being a nerve agent, you might assume that maybe a little VX, uh, you know, don't take much to hit your nerves. Just a drop of the stuff will kill you. But you can get minute doses. 
and there is no minimum dose. So it's hard to say. But anyway, I'm still fighting them. Well, I just got one back. I just got one back. I did the, uh, the, uh, the bottom. The bottom they listed it. It was a private examination. examination. They're supposed to have a list of favorable findings. You know, it said one sentence. There was a private examination. It was positive. <laughs> so I write. I write like a ten-page letter, and they write a one-sentence thing that said there was a private medical exam that was positive. <laughs> That's right. Uh huh. Yeah. So I think they might want to write. A few pages about that private military thing be fair, you know. Yeah. Well, you wrote a good deal on their nurse practitioners. And they, uh, the judge that keeps remanding mine back, keeps stating that it has to be someone qualified to give a CMP examination. And uh, I keep getting... Uh, same deal, and the judge writes the same letter. So mm-hmm. they got me running in circles. Yeah. yeah. Well, some of these, um, these new rules on the decision process that I could allow for new information, you know, they have this thing called a higher level review where they review it based on information that you have in your file. I'm not going to allow you to put in new information. You got, we haven't really seen that much yet. Well, so, I have, yeah. Go ahead. It's supposed to be a little better. I talked to them about the RAMP program, and, uh, well, actually, they brought it up last time I talked to the VA, and... They said beans, uh, they put in uh, for me for expediting uh, expedition of my claim because of my ill health, and uh, which that got approved. And the VA, uh, people I was talking to there at the VA, uh, said I'm probably as well off as I could be as far as uh, accelerating my claim. Uh, if I went to ramp program, they said they know that'd take at least four months or 120 days or something like that. Uh, well, that's six months. So uh, I decided just let it set the way it is. I don't want to change it to the ramp yet. I don't see where that gained me any too much. Yeah, I had a guy yeah, that had, had the ramp. I think they gave me six thirty days to put a new information and they closed the door on me. I just don't like yeah. the idea of them closing the door on new information. You know, a lot of veterans are sick. They might be at the hospital. You know, you give them a timeline to put a new information and they can't do it and they close the door. And yeah. I wonder why they close the door like that. Well, they're trying to make their job more simple, you know, because 
In the old days, the old you could take new information and get it in the desk five seconds before they made a decision. they got to think about it, you know. But now if they close the door, then less information review. And, you know, it takes a veteran a hard time, long time to find people to help them, too. Medical opinion. If I give them 30 days, it really cuts back the, the amount of information. You get x-rays or lab tests or um, consultants. All that stuff takes time. Well, in the old days, they also used the medical board to, to evaluate the evidence. Then you way back when they had three radios on the board? Yeah. Yeah. But it's a whole new system now. Yeah. Well, it boils down to the fact here, Dr. Bash, if your claim is properly written in the beginning and you have your nexus uh, squared away and and uh, uh, the five elements of a claim established, a lot of this can can be uh, avoided delays uh, like what I've ran into. My claim uh, did not start off in, on the right foot, and it was because I was ill-advised by a VSO, and uh, so consequently it's uh, cost me. I would have been better off years ago had I dropped my claim and re, uh, rewrote it uh, and and done it in the proper way. I think that's exactly, think that's right. exactly right. Yeah, if you get the claim done up, up front right, but it's complicated. You know, it's still complicated because you have secondary conditions and all the VSOs aren't all senior, senior level VSOs with years of appeals experience, you know. So a lot of those cases well, are going to start off on the wrong foot. Well, that's true. However, at, at, with that being said, it did take me years to gather up the proper documentation to prove up my my claim. I mean, the VA just wouldn't release the information. And gradually, right. piece by piece, you pull it out. So therefore, you run into years. And yep. um, my claim uh, actually hadn't changed a bit over the years. My claim's been the, the same as when I first wrote it. However, I was lacking IMOs. I should have had IMOs in the beginning, and uh, my BSO told me I didn't need them. <laughs> so, well, you're right about the data. I had a guy this morning that had, 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 well, he had like five or six things going on in service, and the, the doctors would only do one thing at a time when he went to clinic visit. Yeah. So every every month or two months or six months, you get one thing done. Then you can go get the next thing done, and you got the next thing done with x-rays, and finally you left service and still had two or three medical problems that still hadn't been worked out. 
No, he's out of no, service. He's, he's trying to pick up the pieces on those, and then Kaiser takes time. X-rays, MRs take time. All that stuff takes time together. Trying to find lay statements from buddies you can't find. Just want to it all up. Yes, that's true. Uh, and that's the information you need to satisfy the five elements of a claim. And a lot of times in the beginning, when you first file it, you don't know about the five elements of a claim. So if you want to file it, then, then the VA gives you a hard time about the gap period, you know, yep. five years, ten years. Right? Well, you're gathering data. You have a gap period for your claim. Yeah. And, uh, oh, you can run into all sorts of things. So, so, uh, so one way to deal with this, the new claims process has this thing called a supplemental, supplemental claim, you know? So, I kind of think of that like a supplemental statement of the case, you know, supplemental claim. So, if you get another decision, then you can, I'm starting to think about layers of doctors to back me up. So, if I do my decision, then the supplemental claim can be done with a second doctor, you know, with new information. Or maybe the supplemental claim could be new information like x-rays or testing. Because um, they want this stuff called relevant information. Well, so, to get a claim done, you have to have all this medical data and... Uh, to back up your your uh, claim, and without it, you're not going to go very far. Yep, and they have the idea. The supplemental claims have to have relevant. I'm not sure they can decide that, but they talk about relevant information. I think the relevant information is going to be kind of the old. The old thing where we had this new material evidence, so that I do that's new and that it's material relevant. So I can see him saying that this is a redundant claim or the same information as before. Unless you have something new, I don't think you're going to be very supportive of changing the decisions. We'll see how it plays out. Well, that's true. You might call it new, but uh, it could be real old uh, information or, uh, you know, uh, that you send them. It's just that you just now discovered it or the VA just now admitted it or owned up that I'm referring to exposure issues, uh, which... I can see a lot of claims out there having those issues, exposure issues. Uh, look at your burn pit people and veterans, and and uh, you get an idea. Probably, uh, I don't know how many of them were affected, but there was quite a few, I believe. Yeah, I've done a lot of those. 
exposure of claims. One, one one I liked a lot was the EPA reports for the Superfund sites because they went through the analysis of the water, and that's um that's been helpful to document the exposure because it's hard to find out what you're exposed to. Well, yeah, they sure don't want to tell you. Yes, uh, that's a major problem. Because uh, they'll say, yeah, we met you might be exposed, but what were you exposed to? <laughs> when they're sitting there and they know what you're exposed to, in most cases. Now, there might be them rare cases, like uh, possibly in the burn pit, but they, if you... Uh, uh, start picking up ailments that can be associated with mustard agent or sarin or some other kind of gas, uh, uh, BG or BZ, or they got more different chemicals than you can shake a stick at. Uh, you know, if you have some of those ailments, uh, it looks like they would award the claim but they don't well those um, burn pits I found have the same stuff they had in the water a lot of these have similar chemicals that they dump out but one of them is that trichloroethylene that can be aerosolized or into the groundwater and that trichloroethylene causes a lot of problems in different organ systems in the body so that's kind of a universal universal problem chemical it's, you know it's everywhere. Well, uh, I don't know. It's something to keep an eye on. But see, this all goes with filing your claim originally, and uh, you you have to have some good people help you file your claim. Most veterans uh, don't. Don't know, and you don't know what the VA is looking for unless you've researched it considerably. And a lot of veterans don't know they got to do this or that. A lot of veterans miss the secondary complications too. You know, like they might have a primary disease, but then that primary disease causes secondary down the road problems. So they. And the BSOs don't understand. Those are kind of medical, medical problems. Some of the stuff I teach medical students is the same thing. Like, how do you, how do you cluster? You know, I'll show, I'll show them one of these cases. The veteran has thirty things on their problem list. I say, well, take these thirty things and let's cluster them into organ systems where you have a primary disease and you have secondary problems that, that stem from that. You know, like you might have, you, know, you might have neck disease, and the secondary problem from neck disease might be sleep apnea, for example. You, cluster them together and try and look at them as a group instead of one by one. And that's, that's nice because the VA rating system is kind of that way. It's kind of based on an organ system and it's kind of based on clustering of clustering of diseases. So if the rater or the VSO or the, or the uh, veteran doesn't understand how the diseases are clustered, then it's hard for them to make a claim that matches up with the VA rating schedule. Yeah, that's right. Uh, John, uh, uh, how long did it take you to get your claim 
finally settled up when you filed it? I had my initial first claim back in 1993. 1993. And my first 10% came 10 years later. Then 7% another 2 years later. And then in 2005, I got 100%. So, so, still based off the same information, the same stuff. Same you know, they couldn't find the records from the West and they denied the claim to Mason Lane. I've still got a battle with them. They owe me some retro. That's the same game. Mine was filed like in 84, and it took seven years to get my claim processed, too, so. This stuff goes back, this goes back way back, it's been a long, it's a long process, slow all the way from day one, you know. There's there some benefits, positive benefits to this system. A veteran files a claim and he stays on top of it. Over the years, uh, he gets involved with it and he studies and studies and does his homework and reads and reads and he learns. He gets an education on this. So we've got a lot of veterans out there that are actually helping veterans now that educate themselves, you know, about the hard way. So we call them VA road scholars. Road of hard knocks, right? Yeah. But I've seen some stuff in the VA system that I would never believe. You know, I mean, I've seen them. You know, they got this new full developed claims process. You know, and they encourage every veteran to, you know, give all your information, evidence you have, and send to them when you file your claim. And then they send you a document or a DVQ to fill out, and they'll send you the wrong DVQ on purpose to get you the full developed claim bus and put you on the pokey truck. Yeah, the pokey truck. I uh, it's it's unreal. You know, this is all by design. People think the VA is a bunch of goose, but they're not. <laughs> they're pretty sharp. I mean, they've had years of practice, and for whatever reason, they could consider a veteran filing a claim an enemy of the state. Uh. Is the only thing I can think. They offer almost no assistance, and uh, once in a while you get hold of a decent person that that will advise you correctly. But uh, that being said, you need to have that backed up by two or three other people <laughs> that they're telling you right. That's true, girl. That's an important point. Yeah, it's an important yeah. point that try and uh, have redundancy in information because there's a lot of different ideas out there. There's a lot of different rating centers and readers, and so things are done a lot of different ways across the view, even though it's the same system. I'll tell you a good one they do on the, v, um, the CMP process. You know, they'll send the information to the regional office, and the regional office will request the CMP exam from the regional in the local hospital. And you have your CMP exam, and the examiner, you know, is on the computer. He has to, you know, list the conditions and everything and the record. And there's all 
then the heaviest questions from the regional office have to answer. How many of these questions do you see in your time doing this, Dr. Bax, that are leading questions to something else? Yeah, 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 so, so, um, they might ask a question that's not so leading, but they give you biased information. They'll say that the medical record says X, Y, Z, and then they'll ask the examiner just to comment on X, Y, Z and not read the whole file, you know? So they, they cherry-pick, they make cherry-pick information that's biased and feed it to the examiner and ask them about it. Yeah, I see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, you have to have a doctorate or a degree to practice medicine. They don't, unless you went to the hospital. They also have to they have a degree to practice law, VA law. They don't. <laughs> what are they doing there? <laughs> All these same pay examiners, I tell you what, I've run across some real wackos. Mm-hmm. Ask you these trick I've, questions. I've, Do you still beat your wife? <laughs> 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 you know. <laughs> What are you going to say? <laughs> I don't be what they ask, what, what, yeah. what they ask faster than one to ask if he, if he, how long he'll be out of prison? Yeah. Yeah. If they ask you a question that's a yes or no, if you tell them yes, they'll put no. And I... I caught one doing that, and uh, actually, it was my last CMP examination. I think one that Dr. Bass commented on. Uh, that was a, 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 a doctor physician's assistant, and uh, I I said, "How come you you put uh, no when I said yes?" He said, oh, I hit the wrong thing. He did it on the computer. He said, this is all computerized now. Well, that's how you end up in these messes. And uh, I don't know. But anyway, Dr. Bash got his particular CMP uh, uh, that... uh, doctor's position or assistant they got his uh, examination towed out because they withdrew mm-hmm. it. So they threw it out? Well, you know, like yes, yes, they did. Yep. yep. Well, you know, I worked I in the hospital for three years when I was training, and they only let, only let certain people do CMP exams, so... There's a big filter process that goes inside the VA. You know, they have 20,000 doctors, and they let a handful, you know, few of them do CMT exams. So, whatever reasons they use the filter, they have these docs that are professional CMT You know what? You know what? You know why that happens, Doctor Bay? No, tell me. Tell me. Okay, you got a you got a hospital, and they they have a CMT department. They'll have examiners. They use a doctor and some nurse practitioners working in the department. But your specialists work in the hospitals. They have to utilize them for the higher level exam. 
But the problem but is, the problem is budgeting because budget they budget the CMP department to the, to the VBA. To the VBA. So it's old money and old budget. Because they don't want to spend yeah. the hospital yeah. resources doing the CMP exam. Yeah. Well, I worked in the radiology department. Yeah. We, had, uh, we had about, uh, we had about uh, 15, 15, 20 radiologists. Radiology even though it was the you know, hospital the side, they only had one guy that they had do CMP exams. Probably some that money was budgeted like you're talking about, but they cherry-picked mm-hmm. one person. And he was the only one that was allowed to do CMPs. Yeah. X-ray reads. Well, fortunately, I've had three good CMP examiners in my lifetime. One was an occupational specialist, and uh, she was a female doctor. She's retired now. She did a really good job. She, I mean, this two-hour CMP turned into a four-hour marathon, and she did everything right by the book. And then, uh, then the second one I had was a guy. Actually, he was temporary on loan at the hospital CMP area, claiming pension for me. He was basically, he worked at the Loma Linda VA in California, down the road from him. And he was a cardiovascular specialist, and he did a good job. Yeah. And then uh, I had a nurse practitioner last time who did a pretty good job, but she had the right to opinions because he kept asking for information, and uh, finally she just got mad and let him have it. <laughs> oh, let him have a... Uh... Let them have the, uh, have the correct, data. correct data. Oh, no, they had the correct data. They would just speak in the book. Yep. You know, so. You know, if you've got arrhythmia is a natural fibrillation and you've got heart disease, it's connected. It's connected. Yeah. You know, there's no. They also have that whole system of outside CMP exams now, right, with the QTC and those contract companies. Yeah, that's the worst thing about QTC, though. If you're trying to get your copy of your CMP exam, you forget it. Yeah. Yeah, very difficult to get to that. It'd be easier to find a claim inside or a pearl inside a shell. Diving down the water, we get a copy of that sucker. But eh, eh. I don't know why those are so difficult to get. You know, the CMP done in the hospital, three days later, you can just look at it online. And the ones that are out contract, you can't get from from the FOIA for you. Yeah, yeah. You can, but they don't want to let go of a lot of information. Dr. Bash, when do you recommend getting an independent medical opinion or examination in this process? Where? How? Or when? When? At what point? At what point? Well, I think, like Gerald said, you know, the way this new thing's written, you should probably get that right up front and try and build that case as best you can from the start, you know? Because um, some of these steps, you lose your ability to, to submit new information. So, you know, like if you go to the higher level review this, the higher level review is only allows you to look at the stuff that's in the file, so you can't even put a new CMP in at that point. So you kind of mm-hmm. tie your hands. You know, the higher level review, I don't think they're going to change many decisions because they look at the same information that the guy below looked at. And, you know, if they're all competent, they shouldn't shouldn't be a huge amount of changes. So it would be Once up to the veteran to make sure if they were going to... 
if the veteran is going to use you to do an examination, that it, it would be beneficial to you and, and to the veteran themselves to make sure they have all the information, like maybe a copy of their claims folder or their military records, because, I mean, you know, you have to look at everything. Yeah, the more I see, the better it is. <clears throat> yeah. Some so, of the stuff now, if people, you know, if people have claims, like if they have a decision that, you know, it's a 0%, then I can do, you know, see, I can do like DBQs and add to the decision. But new claims, a lot of times you need a lot of raw data from the record to justify the claim. Doctor, how does a veteran need to conduct himself during the CMP exam? Yeah, CMP exams. I always tell them that the CMP exam starts in the parking lot and ends in the parking lot. You know. So I've had examiners look at patients through the window and walk up the car with them. You know, see how they get in and out, see what's going on. So they just got to realize that they're under under examination the whole time period. And, and I know veterans have days that are bad flare-ups and non-flare-up days so I was telling them to describe the flare-up days because it's not really fair to talk about the most normal day because sometimes it might be a mostly normal day so I also tell them not to take their take their pain pills and go in with a situation that might be a flare-up if they um, you know if they need any equipment like braces or crutches or shoe inserts or special shoes or wheelchairs or aid or any, take all that stuff in because some of those examiners always spend you know, a few minutes, 10 minutes, and 15 minutes. And so what they see is what they're going to talk, talk about in the, in the write-up. So you got to show them all the stuff you have. I have patients, I even have patients take in Ziploc bags with their underwear, you know, soiled underwear with stool or urine, if they're leaking stool or urine, to show the examiner diapers, what they have. I've done that with, with BVA judges, too, to have, take that stuff in and show them that, you know, the veteran has this kind of problem. Because visual... The visual prompts make a big difference. And then, uh, you know, maybe take a witness, you know, get an idea of who the person is you're talking to, so if it's a doctor or a nurse practitioner. I always try and have them take in the information that they need ahead of time. Like if we had, if I had a, C, a DBQ or a CMP kind of like exam or my letter, try and make sure you get all stuff from the re- record before they go to the CMP exam because the examiner that way has all the information they need, you know, make it, try and make it fair for the VA doctor too, because he's got to be able to see all the stuff that he can see to help him evaluation of the situation. You know, ask them, ask them you what know, they need. Yeah. What they also need, ask them what else they need to see from you. What were you going to say? You know, the VA, the VA used to have a list on the computer of the CMP exams themselves. And I don't know what happened to them, but it, they've been hard to find over the past few years. You said you, you could go get print the exam off and basically do a little bit of homework before you go in. You remember those forms? Hmm. No, I don't know if I saw those. Oh, well, yeah, 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 so, yeah the, old, the old forms, right? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. 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 Those have gone DBQ format. 15. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. Before, they predated the DBQ, right? They're more open-ended. Yeah. You know, they ask the doctor, like, what, please describe this patient's uh, orthopedic problems, all kind of general terms, and they go to and talk about it. Yeah. 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 And that was years, right? Yeah. Yeah. For a long time. I used to use them a lot, but now I haven't seen one in several years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were, they were really a nice form for doctors, thought, because the, um, 
it kind of followed the medical model. You know, so the doctor could formulate his thoughts around organ system problem. Like they might say, describe the, the bladder system, kidney bladder system, what kind of problems the patient has. That makes sense to the doctor. You know, the DBQ forms now, they don't even really talk about that. You, can't, you have a hard time trying to find bladder incontinence stuff on DBQ forms. It's not, the doctor has to put that in separately and, you know, it's not, it's not laid out in the medical model. So. And there's a lot of changes in the VA. The doctors they used to have, uh, you know, they used to be able to, to examine the patient and have a nurse with them and, you know, put everything down. Now he's just, you sit there in front of a doctor to be examined. He's on the computer and he barely looks at you. Yeah, so many questions. You just have so many questions on you know. Yeah. I have to apologize to my patients. Like when I do them, I say, you know, I'm going to lose eye contact here because I'm trying to answer these questions. So it's just difficult to find, you know, get, get patient, doctor-patient relationship and also do the forums. I don't know. Some and of the back in the deck every year. Well, well, the way, uh, you mentioned before that they have the opinion questions and they can kind of bias those questions. The DDQ uh, form is the same way. You can lead the doctor down a pathway with the questions you ask and distract them off the topic and, you know, kind of bias the results based on the way you ask the questions. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it's all about now. It's supposed to be a non-adversarial system, but I... But the previous VA secretary said it was an adversarial system. <laughs> oh, which one? Which one is that? Uh, one that uh, President Trump just fired. All right. Yeah. All right. So we'll see how it goes with that one. And Joel, he puts some breasts on his CMPs. He's got a bunch of them coming up. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, they're uh, going to send me for a bunch of new CMPs. And uh, the judge wrote in a remand that uh, they have to be qualified people doing them. Now, I would think that would exclude the uh, nurse practitioner and the uh, physician's assistant. But yeah. Yeah. I'll well, see what they do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is complicated. Make sure they see my letter. Oh, they'll see it. On it. You can bet they'll see it. And as the judge and probably the judge said that, didn't that, didn't the judge says, please comment on Dr. Bash's opinion. Did he say that? Uh, no, they did not say that. Uh, hmm. They did quote uh, the new regulations on uh, uh, that come out, uh, people involved in testing. Uh, they're supposed to give them the benefit of the doubt on different agents and they <coughs> uh, which they don't do 
But uh, she went ahead and wrote the agents down, the new ones to be put on the list, and which they had proof all along. So they asked for they asked for a CNT like from a pulmonologist, or maybe a CNT from a toxicologist, something like that. Uh, no. Um, imagine they'll send me to a pulmonologist. They have before, but I can't take the test because I pass out when they try to test me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have enough oxygen. Lung function. Yeah. Yeah. Less than 20%, so that's pretty bad. We don't want you to pass out the radio. Maybe stop stop talking. talking. (laughs) Well, it says here that each examiner should review the 1979 report of the United States General Accounting Office available in BBMS of receipt date 9-20 of 16. So this is relatively new. Yeah. Uh, That's probably the toxin. That's probably the toxin. It says... uh, Subject information from claimant regarding remand issues indicating that there were there was chemical and biological weapons taste testing occurring in Alaska, including yeah. nerve nerve agents, VXGB, mustard gas, uh, something T U L A R E M I A and discussed before, uh, it does relate to the possibly, to the veterans' possible exposure exposure to toxic substances, and she also mentions radiation and herbicides. So, I don't know the CMP examiners, I'm sure, will have fun with that. But, you, know, uh, you have a mixture, you know, even one of those things by themselves could cause a lot of problems. So you have, a, if you have four or five of them together, it makes it, you know, yeah, it, makes, it makes a complex case of it, I sure, sure yeah. know that. And everyone's afraid to say, hey, you know, uh, they're going to approve the claim because there's so many ways they can turn their head and look the other way and just deny it. Simplest way out for them. But I think the judge is getting tired of these denials. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what judge, hey, judge, what judge what did you have? Uh, judge Copeland, Barbara Copeland. Yeah. 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 She's been around a while, so she knows. Yeah. She knows. Yeah. Yeah. Let me change it up a little bit. bit. Cut a lot of folks on the first ship. ship. It was built back in the 40s. It was an old World War II tender. tender. Got a lot of vets that got asbestos issues. 
several yeah. foul claims and been denied. And, uh, you know, it's a slippery slope when it comes to asbestos unless you actually removed it or worked in it. And uh, so they're trying to get their claim situated. Uh, you ever handle the best claim, Dr. Bass? Yep, yep, yep. Well, all those old ships had asbestos in them, you know. So, yeah. the yeah. soldiers are probably, they always exposed to some level, regardless of whether they actually took it down and put it back up, you know. A lot of them, they mm-hmm. put them in the port and they were doing refurbishment and they were exposed to a lot of asbestos. Yeah. The yeah, asbestos like little javelin, little javelin fibers, you know. <clears throat> they get in, in the lung and they get through the pleura and they rub, rub, rub and get those mesotheliomas on the classic types of cancer. Uh, they also can penetrate through the diaphragm and get into the kidneys and abdomen and different places. So there's a lot of different types of cancer. It's outside the lung that's still caused by asbestos. Those little fibers, and they're like impossible to destroy. You know, the heat doesn't burn them, and they just live there for like forever. So forever, forever, and be destroyed. What do you look for on a CT scan and X-ray? Well, classically, you're getting these little plural plaques. You know, in your mind, if you think about this little javelin going through the wall, the plural and rubbing, rubbing, it's going to cause irritation, like a little scar, and that's what we call plural plaque. And then those. Over time, Over time, like any kind of irritation, it's a sunburn or chronic irritation from the fiber, you get mesothelioma, causes a big, big, large mass, which can take up part of your lung cavity. But like I said, any other kind of cancer that you get below the belly, even below the diaphragm, can be caused by asbestos too. So you have to think about anything that occurs down there, maybe secondary asbestos. Cancer. Cancer. So, then the lag time, lag time can be years, years decades years after. after. So, so yeah, 30, 40 years is not, not, not outside the realm of possibility for cancer. For cancer. Hmm. I might have to hook him up and give him some contact information here. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's almost, think it's almost mm-hmm. in my mind, it's almost like Asian Orange, where, you know, if a soldier has boots on the ground, he's exposed to Asian Orange, and I kind of think this guy's in business ship probably had some asbestos exposure. I don't think I've ever, I've ever seen asbestos wrap pipe that looks perfect. It always has cracks in it, that lagging, you know, drooping. I don't think it's ever not leaking. And when in, in its yeah, natural in state, it's, it's state, covered with paint. paint. It's pretty safe, it's pretty but safe. Uh, if, it but gets, uh, if it gets if it gets if it gets disturbed, it could be ugly. It'd be ugly. Yeah, yeah. Are you in buildings? Oh, the old building oh, too, right? Building oh, yeah, we had insulation. Our building. Yeah. Steam piping. You might have more. Might have more exposure in buildings than on ships, is it? Less paint, less well maintained, well maintained all places, huh? Yeah. Well, let us tell you what a lot of folks used to do. They had these uh, metal coat hangers. They'd have the uniforms and they'd take them. They want to keep them. They want nice, neat, you know. They take that end of that coat hanger and stick it in that pipe and the insulation to hang their clothes up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That goes back to my idea that I give it like this probably exposed to this. One way or another, this does probably leak in it's not really strong, right? right? It's talking right? eggshell. It's kind of fragile, right? Uh, it depends on which pipe it is and how thick the insulation is. You know, if it's on a big steam pipe, eight inch pipe, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty thick. You know, so they, you know, you got, you know, you got the insulation and you got the uh, covering. And then you got this stuff got called air ball that goes on it at the fiberglass paste. It hardens. It hardens. And then they use paint. Paint. So it's actually pretty strong stuff, but I mean, if it gets disturbed, it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I've seen some pretty bad stuff in my day in the Navy doing stuff. Pretty bad what? Pretty bad stuff. Pretty bad. I mean, we did submarines and tenders. Yeah. Yeah. So. Plus, it circulates. You get that closed, closed air system too. So if you get broken someplace, it probably circulates around. Yeah. It goes throughout the ship. You get the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah. Just send it everywhere. Send it everywhere. Air systems and circulation dams. Yeah. 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 Once the Navy and really never started their best awareness programs back in 1983. That's when they sent folks to school and trained them how to do it. So that was big back then. So. But Dr. Bash, you want to do the condos and publish the x-rays or any CT scan of the lungs to make sure for saving their life, one, number two, for documenting the exposure. Well, they put us on as best as awareness program. They would give us a chest x-ray and a PFT every year. But when you got a service, the VA didn't follow through with that, you know. Right. It's such a long lag time to be. Right. It's a long lag time to be followed up because it takes a long time. Yeah, pretty sad. You want to give out your contact information, Dr. Bash? Yep, Dr. Bash. My email is drbash at drdoctor.com. You can Google on me, Dr. Craig Bash, find me that way. Sometimes text messages. Two four zero five zero six one five five six, and I have Skip and Alice do my phone messages for me. So uh, Skip is nine two five three eight one seven five six one nine two five three eight one seven five six one. He can schedule half hour free consultation. Will. Folks, we'll join back next Monday. We'll do another episode. We're going to go down this Dr. Bass's bulletin list until we get them all hammered. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think this has been a real good show. I hope somebody learned something on... 
CMP examinations and starting off filing your claims. Hey, one more thing. I saw the higher level, the BGA, I saw the new new write-up that said that even if the BGA is going to accept a supplemental supplemental claim, so even if that level will be able to maybe put in new information at the BGA, which should be interesting to other deal with that. I think the BGA is going to get plugged up with more appeals for people to keep pushing these cases up to that level, you know. Let's see. Well, Dr. Bash, you thank you for coming on today. Welcome. You've always been a wealth of information, and a lot of vets out there that are listening to this show, and I'm pretty sure a lot of them will contact you, you know, over time. So. But uh, we're going to take some more, girl. Well, thank you for being co-host. Well, it's my pleasure. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And I guess for that, we'll go ahead and shut it down, and uh, we'll get back next week. We'll Don't disturb you guys. We've got a new a lawyer out of uh, Missouri, a BA lawyer that's going to get some information. And, and uh, we'll be back with Dr. Bash next Monday. Is it a VA, VA lawyer for the VA or a VA lawyer? Who is it? It's a lawyer that does VA law. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's good. Like, Gerald bumped into him somewhere. Yeah, if they know me right, well, at all, we want to get them on the air. <laughs> that's right. Well, folks, that's about it. So thanks for everybody for listening. We'll, we'll see everybody again Thursday. See you later. All right, see you next okay. Thursday. You have been listening to the Bass Hour. The Bass Hour is brought to you by Habitat.com. Stay tuned next week for another edition of the Bass Hour and the Habitat.com Blog Talk Radio Show. Thanks for listening.